Welcome to Bread and Butter, everybody. The Hearthstone podcast where... Nope. I was... Nope. Tito, do you want to take the intro today? Sure, I can do that. All right, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bread and Butter. We're serving up the basics, the average hearth split... I guess I can't talk either. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bread and Butter. Serving up the basics, the average Hearthstone player needs for Hearthstone improvement. Um... Today we have a very special guest with us, Doc. Um, why don't we introduce him right away? Wicked Good, thank you for coming on. How are you this evening? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. Oh, we, we, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, we, we've already had your co-host, Edelon, who to talk about building decks, and that was exciting. And uh, people might think that since you're here, we're, we have you on to talk about priests, but that's not actually the case. Um, but before we get into the subject of today's podcast, why don't you tell us, how are you today, Steve? I'm good. I had a, you know, unexpected three-day weekend, so, you know, today feels like Sunday, and then tomorrow is actually another day that I get to, you know, sleep in, so, got God of War Ragnarok, so that's been, you know, that, that's been a good way to fill the time, and, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Is, is the voice actor for that still the same one from before, uh, Tilk from, uh, Stargate? I think so. I think they had to they had to postpone it for like a year because he like lost his voice for a while. So I think I think it is the same the same voice actor. They didn't pull like a Witcher Netflix series or anything like that. So <laughs> we still get one more season with Cavill though. <laughs> but it's it's very good. I mean, the grunting definitely sounds the same. So I, I will say that much. So that that's really all that matters. Now is that a style of game you typically play or? Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I have the PlayStation for. You know, like the kind of cinematic, you know, wander around and hit things kinds of games. Like I just played through Ghost of Tsushima. I've been playing through Star uh, Spider-Man Miles, Miles Morales. Like, you know, that sort of guy. I don't, I don't go for the Dark Souls types things, but, you know, that, that type of, you know, blockbuster cinematic type game. You know, Horizon Forbidden West is another one that I spent a lot of time with. So I, li- I like those kinds of open world-ish games that actually that like tell you where you're going um i am not a big breath of the wild fan because i just get lost without any navigation but the ones that actually tell you where you're going and what you need to do and here's all the sixteen thousand things that you could do go do one of them like that that's my jam so, so where did you where did you fall on skyrim that's kind of like between those right um it's fine um i liked it more on the switch when i was able to play it on the train and i had nothing else to do <laughs> but it's generally like it's a, it's a lot of wandering around that it's you know when i'm could be doing other things it's kind of eh, i i i booted i actually reinstalled it because it's on game pass now so i i started playing it again and i'm like oh okay this is fun and i played for a few days and kind of forgot about it so you know yeah, that kind of tells you yeah i used to play skyrim too and then i took an arrow to the knee how about you doc what have you been up to <laughs> uh well I am officially moved in, and I finally got internet, which is nice, and we're actually getting faster internet than what we're paying for, which is another big bonus. Um, Works really crazy. Uh, For everyone who doesn't know by now, I am a baker, and we need to... We need to make a bunch of rolls for Thanksgiving. I think the number we're shooting for is like 1,800 dozen, and we still need to make about 800 dozen rolls, and we couldn't make rolls today because we were out of dough freeze, and we have to freeze all of our rolls for Thanksgiving. So we didn't get to make any rolls today, so it's just going to be very, very busy for me. And then next weekend, I'm going to DreamHack Atlanta. 
So when this episode airs, it's going to be this weekend. But yeah. So are they going to have a Hearthstone tournament there? Or? No, unfortunately. Um, but I'm still going to go and like meet up with all the Swagoy people. So that'll be really nice. Edelweiss is really sad because she has a wedding she has to go to. That's the same weekend, but she wanted to go to DreamHack as well. Um, when I went to DreamHack Denver, there was a Hearthstone Grand Prix there, and I was really hoping that there would be one at Atlanta. But unfortunately, that's an L I'm going to have to take. Yeah, maybe we'll find out when they actually tell us what the Hearthstone competitive system is going to be for next year, if there will be any any lands with any DreamHacks that maybe people could go to. That would be uh, That would be nice. That would be awesome. Uh, Tito, what have you been up to? Been working. Work's been very busy. We're coming up on a, a crazy deadline, which which hopefully once we get to the end of the month, things will kind of even out. But um, it's been keeping me busy. Uh, went to IKEA today, kind of as a surprise. Was looking to expand my my work area now that I have I have three monitors and I have a laptop and and there's just not enough room on my desk. So I ended up going to IKEA today to buy a new desk. So, which is, sounds, doesn't sound very exciting, but I've had the same desk for about 20 years now, which is also from Ikea. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting a new one. Uh, aside from that, we've had uh, COVID running through my house. My, my wife got it first as a parting gift from her last job. Uh, then my, my son ended up with it uh, a few days later. So that was kind of disappointing. I am still the Delta Dodger. So I am, I am happy about that. But uh, it's been, been rough. Uh, my, the, the the boy is having a little problems with the taste and the smell, which is not something you want to hear. But um, we'll see how it goes. But um, anyway, Doc, he may not be able to taste food, but I think I'm starting to get a little hungry. So um, how about some appetizers? Yeah. No, Homer, don't fill up on bread! Uh, okay, so Wicked Good, what have you been playing Hearthstone-wise recently? Um, well... I've been, I, I went to Legend with Quest Priest because I, I am a noted, notorious, I don't know what the word is you want to do, <laughs> uh, Priest main. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I don't only play Priest. There are some mains, like there's like Zed a lot, who, or, or you know, who only plays Priest, or like Sadisi who basically only plays Hunter. I do play everything. Um, I just, when I have the choice and when Priest is playable, I'd rather play Priest. Um, so I... I ended up just, like, taking the quest priest that I was running before the Knights of the Frozen Throw stuff came in. Just, like, went through, well, what's new? Okay, well, Sunwell seems like it's okay sometimes, like, just to get you either a card that you can play to finish a part of the quest. Or um, or you can generate a card that will finish a part of the quest. And then I was just kind of going through all the Knights of the Frozen Throne cards and, like... Well, there's not much that's there. It's a lot of big priest cards, but Spirit Lash was in that set, and so I took out um, Condemn for that. Spirit Lash is really good, still. So that's a really good card. Uh, Spirit Lash Zarella is almost always a full clear, and even just like having that available to just get a heal, regardless. I mean, Condemn is like a card that you run, but. I always kind of hated it in the list, but you kind of needed it just because, like, you need some sort of a small AoE. Like, if you don't have that against, like, an aggro druid or a, or a warlock, you can't deal with a bunch of, like, early minions. You just die. Um, but this both deals with that and heals you, which is nice. And and also, you know, combos with Zarela and other things. And it's a shadow spell, not a holy spell, so it's less that's getting in the way of 
drawing the quest reward at the end of the game too so it makes the it makes the spirit la the spirit guides more consistent um you know it, i mean you're adding the sun well in which is another holy spell so it kind of you know it kind of evens out but it i i ended up with some like i don't even remember what the way win rate was but it was some ridiculous win rate and just went through i had 11x this month so i just went through i think it was like 14 and 3 or something like that or 14 and 6 something like that and just went straight up to legend the, fir the first week of the month almost did it all on stream and then just got tired at the end <laughs> uh, yeah. you know playing priest for that long will do that but yeah i mean and i've been playing some other stuff since like I i've been playing some curse and warlock occasionally i played some naga priest today just because i'm trying to repair my rank after my stream last night where um we we raised money for um boston children's hospital and the final milestone was letting sadisi pick all my decks because <laughs> he and i are basically the odd couple of, of hearthstone where he only plays hunter and i only play priest um so i let him choose my decks and and some of them were fine beast hunter is actually pretty good um and some of them like boar hunter and uh what was the other one that was dumb oh prestor hunter uh those didn't go so well <laughs> so um those kind of you know i needed to do a little bit of da of repair on my rank uh you know today to kind of make up for that i want I'm, I'm not playing a ton just because i'm kind of burned out on the meta right now but i would like to keep myself like 11x adjacent at least so i can you know go back next month when the new set comes out and then be able to kind of hit the ground running well with the the boar hunter were you able to at least draw the sword of truth once i was not i was not <laughs> that did not happen um you need a lot more card draw than i think that deck has in order to make that happen um i did make some three three boars that was fun but yeah i didn't get i you, you kind of i guess you need like a big term with like a bunch of boars and like devouring swarm and whatever to make it happen and just like never came together for me I know you. I know you say you're being a little burnt out, but how have you enjoyed the influx of cards from the the Frozen Throne set? Uh, it's kind of inconsequential, really. Um, I mean, you know, they're spread like most of the heroes just aren't playable, which is kind of funny. It's 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 an interesting you know lesson in like how far the game has come, right? That like most of the cards that are that were printed in that set were like broken when they were printed yep. <laughs> and they're just like not good enough like at all like deathstalker rexar i think is the only hero that's even like borderline playable um you have like spreading plague and defile like spirit lash is fine like i i found a use for that but like they're spreading plague and defile and and is that it it might be it like there's not a whole lot else that's really like the berserker usable Oh, yeah, Animated Berserker is making Rage Warrior playable. But, like, I mean, it was balanced for a different time. And those cards are just, like, there There were... That, that was also for, like, when we had the classic set, not the core set. So, like, the entire, like, quality of cards was less even. And the power level in general was lower because you had all this jank in the classic set that you were balancing around instead of like having a higher power level in the core set that we have now. So it was just kind of like, I was expecting it to make a bigger difference and it just, it's really kind of, it's funny how little of a difference it made. It's fun to get those in there and try and you know, especially like the first day when people were trying things, like I spent my day playing, you know, trying to make like Uther OTK paladin work again. <laughs> Like I that was that, that was deck. like day one. 
I did lose yeah. to that deck. They 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 were able to get the jailer down with the Ragnaros Light Lord, and yeah. I, I was not able to recover. Yeah, I mean the thing that you don't think about when you start coming up with that idea is that you have to play the jailer after playing Uther and then live for four more turns because there's no way to refresh your hero power in standard right now. Like that would that was doing things with like the the auction master beard or whatever the hell his name was that would refresh your hero power. You know, whenever you, I don't, whenever you played a spell or something, I don't remember what the hell it was. Um, but yeah, you can't, you can't do that now. So it's just like you're just like, okay, I'm gonna play the jailer, and then I'm gonna hope that these all stick for four turns. And like, you probably don't need that to win. And it's the same thing, kind of when we had the core rotation. the The core rotation, they really hyped up. Oh, we got some spicy cards. But with the exception of like Bran. Most of those cards never really saw that much new play. We got Lyra back. No, never, never saw the light of day. Um, you have Earthen Scales and Tess Greymane. Like those, those two probably made up for everything else that they printed. So, <laughs> like Earthen Scales alone makes up for everything else that they brought back that did it that didn't land. So that's fair. I'm okay with that card being deleted forever. Yeah. How about how about yourself, Doc? What have you been up to? Uh, I've been playing a lot of BGs um because i got my feelings hurt in our monthly competition <laughs> uh so it's been playing vgs uh, i'm up to like uh 5530 mmr have had some very wacky games i had i had a game where i was queen wog taggle and i got the menagerie quest and i I couldn't go for spicy because i tied like twice early on but i literally didn't lose a turn until like turn 17 it was a 20 turn bg lobby and for like three games and three rounds in a row it was like a seven and a half percent to win and i just couldn't find it so i conceded because i didn't want to go into a 21 turn game um i've played four games of naga priest um because hat said hat said to play it and so i'm trying to learn it and i was never good at inner fire priest and this is just almost new inner fire priest i had one game where i won but it felt like i was losing until i won the game because the rogue was just able to clear every single minion i put down no matter how big i made it but then the one minion that stuck that's all i needed and it just wasn't it wasn't fair but i literally felt like i was losing until the turn i won the game I mean, so i think it's game. weird that's but. the experience with that deck like that's that's the thing like that i i and i know that the vicious syndicate podcast is extremely analytical and that's their thing i think when they and I, i've told i've told hat this too because we've had this discussion I, I i played plenty of of wake priest and you know i have decent results with it but like the games that you lose feel so bad that and and it takes a while to learn how to play the deck so it's like if you if you can't get past that it's so hard to stay with the deck. Like I had a, I, I was playing that today and I lost like five out of my first six. And then I went on a five game win streak, but it's like, I had to stay with it and say, no, I'm actually like not terrible. I'm just, I, I mean, there's some things that I knew I was doing wrong and cause I was tilted and, and then it's just like, I need to take a break and just come back to it. But like the, you know, it's like, there are just some cards that just completely blow you out. Or you put you run into a mage and then you just sit there and hold your head in your hands for 20 minutes and those games are terrible but you do have a puncher's chance in in a lot of games but it also just like 
it takes it's almost like Garrett Rogue back like this time last year where you just kind of like need to know what those things are and you need to know how to set them up and it takes a lot of losing and a lot more than a lot of other decks like there are a lot of decks that are difficult but if it clicks with you then you just kind of get it and Naga Priest it takes you a while to like learn all the different ways that you lose before you start winning and it's hard for a lot of people to get past that it's funny you say that because I started playing it as well. Um, I had climbed up to uh, D5, mostly with Enrage Warrior, which was a lot of fun. And then I kind of sputtered out there. So then I, I made the switch to Mech Paladin for a reason. And I did really well with that. The first night I played with it, I went like 8 and 3. And then the next day I went like 2 and 7. So I, I will say I did have a very fun game where I played a bit, played against a Dead Man's Hand Warrior. And I managed to generate three steam cleaners, steam cleaners. <laughs> so um, I won that game. It was fun. Uh, but outside of that, I, I, I started playing. I figured I'm at the rank floor. I'm D5, rank floor. Let's start working on Naga Priest because I know it's going to take some time. And every day I play it, I have the same thing. I start off like 0-3, 0-4, just like you were saying. And then I come back. And on streams, I've ended the night like 500, but it's taken – a bunch of losses to then kind of get comfortable and then do it. I'm still right around D5, D4, and I'm just kind of sputtering with it. And But I know it's a good deck, so I am like, might as well try to learn how to play with it. But I'm kind of at the point now where, like, well, is this the deck I'm going to be able to climb with? I'm not sure. But um, we're trying. And um, to, to go into why Doc was saying he was a little uh, sad about our monthly bet. So for those that don't know, me and Doc have had a monthly bet now for about four or five months where we go with whoever finishes with the higher MMR and battlegrounds wins what five packs or whatever. And, and we've augmented, Yeah. Like five to 10. Yeah. We've augmented a little bit. I think I got you uh, um, back before rune stones. Um, I got you a, a portrait or not um, a hero. I think. Uh, of, yeah. It was the Vosh bundle. Okay. Which I would still do if Blizzard would still let me buy these things with rune stones. I don't care. Let me buy and gift things. You cannot <laughs> buy a package and gift it if you buy it with rune stones, and that is frustrating. But um, Doc beat me for a couple months because I was more focused on standard. He got much higher than me in the MMR. I said, you know what? I, I, I hit. I got to legend early last month, and I said I'm going to catch up. So I, I, I turned it on. And on the very last night, I was on stream, and I just finished up. I said, you know what? I'm going to play a couple Battlegrounds. And I played two games, and I ended up beating Doc by one MMR point. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that was a great way to end it. But, um, I mean, all this talk about um, beating you, Doc, uh, is it, getting me even hungrier. So uh, why, don't we, why, why don't we just go into our interview now and um, talk, talk to Steve a little bit? Because I messed up that transition. Because I'm a new, you're good. I'm new to <laughs> podcasting. Good. Clearly. Uh, so, Steve, what is your history with video games and Hearthstone? Well, I mean, video games. I started when I was like three or four years old, and my parents bought an Atari twenty six hundred. Twenty Atari twenty six hundred. Because I am, in fact, old as the hills. I'm that old too. So, what, what were your first games, though? E.T. Nice. Let's go. Yep. Yep, that was the game they got with the 2600. Yep, and I spent a lot of time climbing out of pits, thinking that 
I was not quite good enough. I, like that was my original get good moment was like playing ET and like, if I just get better at this game, then I'm going to get to the fun part. And you know, turns out there is no fun part. It's just, that's all. That's all. There is. <laughs> I had that so. same experience with the Indiana Jones game. There was one point you had to try to get a parachute and land on a tree and it just never worked out. Yeah, but the difference is that they didn't bury, like, hundreds of thousands of Indiana Jones cartridges in a landfill because it was so bad. So. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I had I had that. I had a Commodore 64 growing up. I got a – it took – I got into the NES late because my parents were – my parents didn't really want to – like, they, they saw it as a money sink, basically. And so, like, they got me, like, the, the NES when I was, like, 11 because I was sick with chicken pox. And, like, seemed to have taken a turn for the worse. And then my dad came home with the NES, and I, I had a miraculous recovery. Um, but I didn't really – I mean, that was the last console I got until, you know, in college when um, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, and I went in on an N64. So, you know, but I, you know, I had a PC for, you know, for school and whatever. And, you know, I played Doom when that came out. Um, you know, some of the, like, Day of the Tentacle was around when I was in high school and – um, and then the first Blizzard game that I got was Diablo, Diablo one, um, when I was, I guess, 17, I remember driving to Ed, Egghead Software with my paycheck from, from ShopRite, the supermarket in New Jersey that I worked at and going to buy it and, and coming home with it. And that was like my entire senior year of high school was just that. And, and, you know, and then Diablo two came out when I was in college too. And that was like, like my wife and I both played that like a ton um because we were dating at the time and we were we were both playing like a lot <laughs> of diablo 2 so like diablo's always kind of been my first blizzard game but i also i mean i ended up playing a lot of magic in high school because i didn't have a super nintendo i didn't have i didn't have access to a lot of video games so i played magic i you know i was able to convince my parents like my, my mom and i went to the comic book store and it's like oh here's this 12 dollar deck of cards and you know oh yeah that's got to be cheaper than a super nintendo <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, they 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 definitely misplayed on that one. But it was uh, so that was like in high school, and then like my freshman year of college, I I played Magic. So this was like the revised era. I started like my first expansion was the Dark, and the last one that I played was Stronghold. I I got to a top sixteen in a pre in a Stronghold pre release in Boston, and the 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 difficulty of that was then topped by having to get a cab out of Boston at two thirty in the morning, <laughs> because they roll up the sidewalks at midnight. So like that, you know, all like we took you know the sub the the commuter rail in and then had to find our own way home. And it was uh, whatever I won out of that went into the cab ride to get back to the dorm. But um, but yeah, I mean that then that's that's it. And then I picked up Hearthstone. Um, I played it in beta briefly. But I could I didn't really get into it at the time. I kind of thought it was Magic for Babies, effectively. And um, it wasn't until I came out on the phone that I was able to give it, like, a legit shot. Because, like, it was also, like, I had a Mac. Like, everything was everything's janky when you're trying to play on a Mac, even though it's supported. Um, so, I and I was, like, you know, I didn't really want to be sitting in front of a computer to do it at the time. Uh, but then once I got it on the phone, then it kind of clicked. And I, I spent the time with it and went through everything. And then, you know, here we are. Um, so I ended up playing around, starting really around Black Rock Mountain, and then and TGT and then uh, you know then ended up starting to do card reviews with Andrew Brown and the Happy Hearthstone 
in Angoro started off curve, which is the podcast that I did before I was on Koi Concede. Um, shortly after that, did that for several years until Pat and Edel asked me to join uh, the cast in the beginning of this year. And um, that's where I've been. Awesome. So you kind of touched on it a little bit, but you've been the host for Coin Concede for a while and you had Off Curve for a really long time, which is a solo podcast. Um, what was the transition like from kind of be doing your own thing to being part of a team? Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's mostly good. I will say that. I, and I'd been on group podcasts before. Like I had a couple of tech podcasts on Relay.fm that I was a part of before this. And then those ended around at the like 2017 those ended um or beginning of 2018 i guess technically and that's when i started streaming um you know because i had that time built up but i, I was kind of at, at that point i was kind of you know uh, it that was a lot and you know that kind of ended in a weird way um and like the thing is that when you're doing a solo podcast like off curve was a, was a show that i would just basically press record when i started driving somewhere and just keep kept talking until i got to where i was going um, which as if anyone who knows me knows, I could talk about these things for, you know, indefinitely, if you let me, um, which the car wouldn't stop until I got somewhere. So that, that kind of did, it kind of did let me, but, um, so like that was, you know, and that was something where I was, I was very in control of my own schedule. I did it when I wanted to, if I need to take a week, a week off, I did, if I, you know, if I didn't feel like it, I, I wouldn't do an episode that week. Um, it got harder when the pandemic started just because I didn't have I, I had to kind of force myself to record at particular times like when i was when i was going to the office every day i just have like a commute and my commute was generally like from the train station was like 40 to 45 minutes so that was a pretty decent you know chunk of time that i could just press record and go once once the pandemic started then it got a little bit more complicated like i had to like i i would you know, have to do what i'm going to pick up this excuse me the groceries from the supermarket and um, like I would get into the car and like, oh crap, I haven't recorded an episode. I haven't planned anything, but I need to record something because I'm not gonna be able to get in the car for another week. Right. And like, I tried doing it from the desk, but that just felt weird. Like sitting here, like it's one thing when I'm driving and I'm like focusing on the road and then like talking while I'm doing that. So everything when I'm just sitting here at the desk, like monologuing for half an hour, there's like a different vibe to it. Um, so, yeah, but, but I mean that, but that was also like, I had a lot of freedom there. And I didn't have to worry about scheduling or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, had it asked me to join CoinConceit and it's like, well, I'm giving up some of the, some of my brand, which, you know, I, I'd worked, you know, for several years to build. Um, and, but obviously CoinConceit is, you know, I mean, it, it's one of the preeminent podcasts in the, I mean, it's probably second to the Angry Chicken, I would say. I mean, you know, I'm, I you know, modestly so, but I mean, I think objectively it's, you know, we're one of the most popular hearthstone podcast next to the angry chicken i, I would say um, that the angry chicken is while, while it's probably more popular is the casual uh yeah casual hearthstone where you guys are probably i would say the number one podcast for people that take hearthstone with a monicum of seriousness yeah i mean we're kind of the baby bear in the in the hat goldilocks trilogy of podcasts where you know you you have you have the angry chicken which is very which is more you know more oriented towards the casual player and then you have the vicious syndicate podcast which is towards the the ladder grinder and then we're kind of in the middle where we're kind of like we're for the player who's taking the next step um into serious competitive play but isn't like you know top 500 legendary right like someone who's like 
you know, climbing the ladder, getting more serious about playing, trying to improve their game, but not necessarily like playing in, you know, Masters Tours, which is what the Vicious Syndicate is is kind of targeting. So kind of like what um, we hope our listeners are. Yeah, exactly. And I will say, um, Steve, the thing that I miss most about uh, Off Curve, um, I love having you on the, the coin concede, yeah. but I used to love your within two hours of a patch drop, it yeah. was the update of, hey, here's our initial thoughts. And I, I love that edition of it. And that's the kind of thing you can do when you're not coordinating with two other people, right? Like I was able to do that just like, okay, I'm just going to record that. I'm going to put it out. And I mean, I could do that on YouTube if I could figure out how to do YouTube, but I'm getting too old for that. Um, but, it, you know, that's the kind of thing that I, I was able to just do. I was able to just like record, especially when I was working in the office and I just drive home and like, okay, well, here's the patch notes. Let's go. Um, you know, so there's, there's a little bit less of that, you know, coordinating with other people and, you know, juggling schedules, but um but at the end of the day i i it's i mean first of all i get to talk to two of my of my good friends every week for like two three hours and we have a lot of fun so like that's that's a bonus in and of itself and also like i don't have to do everything right like i don't have to edit the show or i mean i usually you know contribute by putting all these all the show notes together but i don't i don't have to like you know edit everything and post everything and promote everything and and you know, come up with everything that we're going to talk about and, and like, it's a group effort and there's people to bounce off of. And, um, you know, so like, and, and it's, so that's, that's really good too. And like, quite frankly, like I, you know, I did, one of the things that I did on off curve was every set we would go through, which is kind of an extension of what happened, what we would do on the happy Hearthstone until Andrew ended up, you know, stepping back from that. And I took it over on off curve was the, you know, the card by card card reviews and, and, I loved doing those, but boy, do I not miss doing those. <laughs> like, cause that was, it was so much more like, you, you know, you hear, you hear all these card reviews and like, it's a lot of content, but it's like, there's so much work that goes into that, both in just like going through and having an opinion on every single card, um, whether or not it's actually relevant to, you know, to construct it or not. And, and then, you know, just having the time to be able to record all that and then edit it, like, you know, two, three and a half hour shows usually. And, you know, Matt at Arms was, was doing it with me, with me for a while and then he wasn't, um, you know, he, he had some things come up in his life. And, you know, I was starting to have trouble finding somebody else to do it with. And then this this offer came and it's like, OK, now I don't even have to think about it. Like that's that's, that's it was already kind of winding down with the feasibility of that. Um, but it was felt, felt something felt that I felt like I had to keep doing because like that was the thing that I did. Um, so kind of getting permission to not do that was also, uh, you know, as much as I do miss it, I do miss, you know, having those shows and going through those in detail, but also it's just so much work that I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad in retrospect. And now there's 10% more cards to review. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I'll say, I always like those episodes, but I also would skip them a lot, especially yeah. if I hadn't gotten to them as soon as the set released. I no longer cared about speculation. I only wanted what's going yeah. on right here. So as a consumer, I'm always like, I want to listen to them. But then as soon as the set's out, I'm like, nah, forget it. I'll just get to the next episode because that's a lot to listen to when I already know something about the card. So that's yeah, a lot of work. There was a lot for... of time pressure with those. Like, and, and it was, it, and the sets used to be a lot. I mean, they're doing better now, but like there are some times that we wouldn't get any of the, any of the card, like the last drop until like the Monday before the set came out. And it's like, well, when the hell do we record it? You know, and then we're just kind of like scrambling. So it's, it, you know, it, it's definitely, it's, it was a lot of work for, you know, it, it ended up being diminishing returns ultimately. 
So you do coin concede. Do you have any aspirations of starting another project in the future? Or are you kind of good with just coin concede? Um, I kick around the idea of a YouTube channel mainly because Twitter's imploding. <laughs> and and yeah. so like I do stream on my channel and like I, I know that, you know, get having a YouTube would help with stream discoverability. But that's I'm not really passionate about it, which is why I haven't done it. And um, um, Doc just started up YouTube as well, and all it took for him was um, forgetting his Switch password. So, oh yeah, that'll yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's like I, but I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stretched thin at this point. Like I, you know, I've got a full time job on top of this. Um, you know, I stream twice a week. Um, you know, and then we, you know, there's coaching that that I do as part of Quinn Conceit as well, and then you know, we we have bonus episodes, and it's like. I'm tired. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a, it's a lot. And I love what I do. Um, you know, I, I do run, I do still run the, the tournament stats at coughcurve.com. Um, that's whenever there's a master's tour or, or a, um, you know, I mean, when there's, when there are qualifiers, that's every weekend that I, I mean, it's not, it's not a ton of time that I'm spending on it when it's just qualifiers. Cause I mean, I've got it, the, all the scripts kind of, you know, down to a science that I'm just running them and, you know, it's like 15 minutes a day, but it's, you know, something I have to keep up with a lot. And then obviously when there's a master's tour, then I have to go through and I do a bunch of analysis there and, um, and tweet those out, you know, as long as Twitter still exists. Um, so like, that's, you know, there, there's a fair amount. Like it's, it's like, I don't, I don't really like, you know, like this is when like hat keeps getting asked every time a new game comes out, if he's going to do another podcast and he, he assures people he's not. And that's basically like where I'm at. Like, it's like, I'm very happy with what I'm doing. And if I was going to do more, it would probably be just streaming another night. But I, I don't think that that's not something I really want to, you know, put on myself. Like, I, I've definitely, as I'm getting older, I'm also kind of more aware of, you know, where my time goes. And, like, everything is an opportunity cost, you know. So, like, whenever I'm saying yes to something, I'm saying no to something else, ultimately. Uh, so, I, I've been trying to keep my options open that way in case something were to come up that i could maybe say yes to it and that i mean that's what happened with coin concede that i i ultimately was able to find a way to say yes to it but um but yeah it you know the more that i take on the lo the more uh, other things that it closes off which i don't even know what they're there but you know i only have limited energy at the end of the day i've got three kids i like <laughs> to see them once in a while you know so that's why all my content creation happens from like nine to twelve. My, my otherwise my wife yeah. would probably uh, get a little upset. But just for those that don't know, what is the off curve, uh, the site you were just talking about? Like, what specifically does it do? What's the like the quick elevator pitch for people that have never heard of this? It's basically HS replay for tournament for tournament stats. Um, so like I'll I'll when there are masters tours or qualifiers. I'll go collect. It's not down to the level of HS replay does because I don't get card by card play. I don't get like game uh, in game statistics, but I get, you know, like matchups and stuff like that. So I just break it down with um, into charts and graphs of like what the what the the distribution of decks are, what the distribution of lineups are, like what the matchups are, like which decks are performing well, which decks aren't performing well, what's getting banned a lot, um, you know, and, and various and other statistics there. So um it's it's a resource that a lot of tournament players use um to help plan their lineups and it is a, it is the only place that you can get conquest stats which conquest you know is a little bit different than ladder 
just in terms of the kinds of both the kinds of decks that get brought and like where what you're trying to do with the decks you're bringing so it's a little bit more relevant for conquest um you know when we do have qualifiers um or we have masters tours that i'm able to uh to update that it's why when you take a, a deck that you've seen in a tournament you bring it to ladder it doesn't work as well um and that's and we'll, we'll have a future yeah. episode about preparing for those kind of things I and mean, we might hopefully have steve back there in, in a, a few months yeah. when it's closer to relevance um so, so steve you mentioned uh that you stream a couple nights a week uh last month you were doing a charity stream or charity streams for boston children's hospital um do you want to dive into that a little bit yeah so um last month was was adhd awareness month i'm i've been fairly open that i you know got diagnosed with adhd a few years ago um my kids are all either adhd or autistic or both in some cases and um we've spent a lot of time at the neurology department at boston children's uh when they were young you know and then we still do to some extent but and they they're like they just do wonders there like that place is just absolutely amazing and i mean like we're not we're not in there for any sort of a life-threatening condition like obviously you know uh, neurological disorders are very serious but like you know we're not there for you know for like a heart transplant or anything like that you know but i know that they're um you know they're they do wonderful work across the board but the neurology department's been amazing to us like fighting with the insurance companies fighting you know helping us with the schools going through ieps and 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 everything else and just kind of helping to make sure that that you know that like i got diagnosed after they got diagnosed right because i never knew and like you know making sure that they are not having the struggles that i had growing up without knowing about any of this stuff so um you know so every year uh, this time of year i mean extra the extra life um game day is november 7th anyway so it kind of lines up with uh, with adhd awareness month and i i like to i like to to do a uh you know a fundraiser for them and raised over seventeen hundred dollars this year and and just really really blown away um by the level of support um it really it it's it's just absolutely it's it it's beyond words really of what it means to be able to just kind of give that back to them for everything that they've done for me and my family but also just for like a lot of sick kids who are just like sitting in the hospital and just like you know scared and at least like you know able to give them some things to do to take their mind off it for a little while right so it's a really great cause and i'm really happy to be able to give back that way like incredible sorry that i don't have words right now <laughs> but uh i i was diagnosed with adhd like as a kid so thankfully like i didn't have I mean, it was still a really difficult time. And like I had IEP and 504s and all that kind of stuff to help facilitate like me trying to learn at a more normal rate. But um, when I, when, like, I didn't know you had ADHD for a while. And then when I started listening to more coin conceit and everything, like felt nice having someone who's a more prominent member of the community uh, having something like that uh, in common with. Um, and but on that note, play too, before you go into that, I, I just got diagnosed myself a few months ago and I just started medication for the first time. I'm 47. You're never too old to, to yeah. figure these things out and, and help. And since I started that, I, I started the podcast. I started streaming. I started doing YouTube content and probably overextended for what I should be doing uh, in the opposite direction. But 
if you if you think that you might have something like go see a doctor talk to them um talk to your p uh, your pcp uh or primary care physician uh you're you're never too old to figure these things out so i'm sorry doc go ahead no you're good so you play a class that at surface level doesn't seem like it's very conductive for someone with ADHD just because we have attention issues and memory issues and stuff like that what what about priests like makes you like it so much so i think it was i mean it was actually the first class that i clicked with when i started playing um like the first time that i holy novid with a with a um uh northshire cleric on board and i'm like okay now i get it all right um i i think and and had i've talked about this on the show too because he also has adhd and he and i are like polar opposites in types of the term of the in terms of the types of decks that we're we're attracted to like i can't i okay i don't want to say i can't play aggro i just played hunter for three hours on my stream last night um i can play aggro i'm fairly good at it when i do play it i hate it but but i can play it but the thing is that i one of the things that that happens with me is that i end up seeking novelty so like even though there are a lot of decisions that can be varied at the beginning of an, of an aggro of an aggro game plan, and I am not going to imply that aggro is is easy to play because it's not, or aggro is always the same thing because like the number of decisions that you make at the beginning of the game are you know potentially you know there there's a ton of them and they can go in very different directions. Um, but I find that like a lot of the games feel very samey to me. Whereas control feels like an escape room, right? Where you're going to get thrown into a situation and you don't know what it is and you don't know what it's going to be, but you know, you've got some tools and you need to be able to find your way out of it. And that's what I like about it. I like feeling like I know I have what I have my tools. I know I can get out of this, but I don't know how. Right. And then that's the challenge for me. And so it's a different puzzle to solve every game. Aggro can be that way too. It's just that I don't, for whatever reason, it just feels very, the the kinds of puzzles feel very similar to me, and it it gets boring. Like my first, the first time I hit Legend was with Agro Shaman, and it was like it was like a Pirate Warrior and Agro Shaman, and I did it, but it was like, ugh, like, <laughs> I I did it, I didn't enjoy it very much, um, you know. But it's yeah, it's it's definitely just like different situations and like sometimes you have, you have decks where you're discovering cards you're playing thief priest and then who, know, who the hell knows what's going to happen you're just going to find your way out with those like this random pile of crap that you end up in your hand um but i like that I, I like having a different challenge and and it i think ultimately people are drawn to whatever makes them feel smart at the end of the day right like that's kind of my philosophy about like why people get drawn to a play style i think whatever makes them feel smart is what they enjoy and control makes me feel smart like getting out of this out of an impossible situation makes me feel smart what would you say to noted priest hater daniel stormridge sheldon who thinks the class should be deleted from the game i thought he only plays magic (laughs) i think you're right (laughs) um so we talked about it earlier hearthstone's getting a new class uh death knights what are your initial thoughts on the death knight class I think it's an interesting way to go about it. I think it, it's kind of overwhelming right now as far as like what 
what direction it's going to take. It doesn't seem like it's quite as broken as Demon Hunter did um, when they introduced it. Um, but there is a lot of power in that class. I, I could definitely see myself getting drawn to a Blood Death Knight for sure. Like there is a lot of a lot of tankiness and a lot of you know control options there where I didn't really feel like that with Demon Hunter when it was. A, when, I mean, Demon Hunter always like they tried. They tried to make Big Demon Hunter a thing. Like, God bless them. But, I mean, other than, like, OTK Demon Hunter, which was, you know, something else entirely. Like, it never really felt like it was a control class to me. This feels like, like, a Blood Death Knight feels like something that I could get into. For sure. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Frost in there. That's, it, it, like, it feels like it's got something for everybody, right? Like, if you want to play Freeze Mage, you can play Freeze Mage. If you want to play Token Demon Hunter, you can play Token Demon Hunter in Death Knight. If you want to play Control Priest in Death Knight, you can do that too. And then, you know, kind of the mix and match type of scenario. It's going to be interesting to see how, like, what's actually viable. Um, I haven't really gotten down to that level yet, and that's going to depend a lot on, like, what else is there. But I, I think there's a lot of flexibility for one class that go in a bunch of different ways, the way that, that Demon Hunter really didn't when it came out. So there is a new game that came out a couple weeks ago called Marvel Snap. Mm -hmm. Have you been playing any of it? And if so, how much? Um, I played it a lot for a week and then I uninstalled it. So it's uh, I I realized that. So this is a thing that I've started to do, right, is I was I was playing it a lot and I was realizing that I wasn't really having fun. Like, I was playing it, and I was trying to rank up, but I wasn't really enjoying it, per se. And then I, I kind of took a took a step back and said, am I playing this because I like playing it? Or am I playing this because it's what everybody else is playing and I want to be part of the conversation? And I realized that it was the latter, and that's when I uninstalled it. Because, like, I, it's it's a great game. Like, it's not to say that it's not a good game. I think it's just not, it's just not for me. Um, because like the games that I like, I really get into. Like I will, like, you know, will betide you if you've not played Tales of Arise, and then that comes to my attention. Like I, because I will talk your ear off about that for a while. Um, you know, and like, like you know, Hat and I have done like whole episodes when I was doing off curve about like Metroid Dread and stuff like that. Like, like I either love a game. It's it's either it's either no or it's hell yes for me. You know, and it wasn't really a hell yes. It was kind of like, I'm playing this, but it felt like like when I used to be playing desert golf, like I was playing it because it was there. Um, but I wasn't really like having a lot of fun with it. And I felt myself like all the negative things that I get when I get invested in a meta, but I wasn't enjoying it when I was doing it. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, let's just, let's, let, let's cut this off before, you know, before I spend too much more time. And it, like the, the time wasn't like, that big of a deal like i mean it's time that i would be spending i'm not really spending doing other things but it's also like i i just started playing slay the spire again instead and that's been better for me if i recall you did the same kind of thing with immortal right immortal was different because immortal i i just uh, actually immortal like it wouldn't let me into the game and then i just deleted it because i realized that it was like like it was some sort of a bug that wouldn't let me log in but it was like because I, I love Diablo, right? And it, and as far as, like, Diablo mechanics were concerned, like, Immortal is great. Like, they did a really good job making it feel like a Diablo game. It's just, like, everything around it was bad. And, like, 
I didn't have a problem with like logging in for 15, 20 minutes, like doing my dailies and getting out with, with Immortal. But it was just like, it just kept getting more complicated and it just felt like I was spending more. I, I wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't like it. It was just like, I knew it wasn't great. <laughs> and it was just kind of like, eh, I don't like it. Once it stopped letting me in, then I had like a day or two to realize that like I was okay. Then I just deleted it. Like that was another one. Like it was just, it, but it wasn't quite the same thing because like snap, I kind of came to that realization on my own. Diablo Immortal kind of did that for me when they ended up like doing a rollover a season or something and locking me out of the game for a day. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed, I'm a Diablo fan. I enjoyed Immortal too. And like, I, I was going really, really hard for like the first two weeks and I was holding like top 50 for like the greater rift equivalents on my server for like two weeks, but it's just, it's just not great. And then I have yeah. also stopped playing snap, like, have a lot of fun really cool people that play it the games i had were interesting but like just like you i just wasn't really enjoying it and just playing it so i could go into the different discord channels and share screenshots and all that kind of stuff yeah and and it you know i mean i i i get that a lot of people love it and i i think it's great that they do like i think they did a good really good job with the game um it's just not it's not something that i that's clicking for me so you know I mean, maybe I've heard that maybe if I kept it, kept sticking it out to pull three, then, you know, then I would, there would be more things that would open up. I, I heard that with Destiny back in the day, too, where, oh, you only have to get to level 50 before the game opens up. It's like, I, I have, I have things to do, you know, like I'm not, I'm not sticking it out to level 50 before the game opens up and I get to do the cool things. I'd like to do the cool things now, please. Feel free to try to steal the bumper from uh, uh, Storm Rage for the uh, Destiny bumper. Um, I I actually so I enjoy Snap, but I am not a I am not converting to like be my main game. I like that I can play it for five minutes here and there if I'm in a line somewhere. I like when I'm about to go to bed. I like to play. I don't want to do a battleground. I don't want to do a full game of Hearthstone. So I like that I can get a quick game of Snap two in to just you know unwind before I, I i settle down so i i've really been enjoying it i am in pool three i'm starting to get some of these interesting cards but it's also it's a frustrating game in that some people have become snap content creators and it's no fun to watch them watch them because they're playing with all the cards that i can't get yeah. now so i can't do the things they're doing and i have no opportunity i can't even pay to get there it's just you can't and and I don't like that aspect of it. And I get, I mean, I like I like it that it's it's not forcing you to spend money. I like the way they're doing it. It's just it's also got its it's got its positives, but it's also got its negatives because I can spend the money if I want to, and I want to just get the card so I can do the, the same things that these other people are doing. But anyway, yeah. I am back. Sorry about that. Yep. I figured that when you started talking about frenzy builds. <laughs> it is. Uh, I'm getting a little hungry for the main course, Doc. How about yourself? Broccoli, broccoli. It's time to eat your broccoli. All right, so today the topic of discussion is about replays. You've heard us talking about replays several times in the last few episodes, and Wicked Good is somebody that we've often seen talk about 
replays in the Coin Kinsing Discord, and, and I'd say he's a pretty good expert on the subject. So, um, uh, Steve, for someone that has no idea what a replay is for Hearthstone, what is it, and how would somebody get start started using it? So, um, usually you have to install a third-party tool, either like Hearthstone Deck Tracker um, from HS Replay or um, Firestone would, is also another one. Those are the things you... You'll sometimes see them on streams if you haven't, if you don't know what they are, that just kind of show you like what cards are left in your deck, what your opponent's card, what your opponent's played. They're they're useful from that perspective too. Um, but what they do is that they collect all of the um, all the turn data as the game goes on, and then they upload them to their server, and you can get to them through um, you know through a web page, and then it will show you what happened in that game, which is something that the game doesn't do for you itself. Like there. are... There are other games like you can go into like you know League of Legends and like see the entire replay for like start to finish within within the game itself. And Hearthstone doesn't do that, but you know these third party tools will do that. So then you can go back and watch the game, knowing what happened. Sometimes you know seeing whatever cards were shown to you throughout the game if you want to see them. Um, so you're kind of looking at it with hands face up instead of hands face down, and then go back through the game and see like what you did and. Why did the game turn out the way that it did? Knowing what you know now, with which is basically how the what the outcome was. But but why would someone even want to do that? Well, um, if you want to get better, then you need to know what you're doing wrong, right? And it's even when you're winning, there are still things that you could be doing wrong that you won't see in the moment but you'll see when you're looking back at it it's kind of like you know like when you're when you're a kid in math class and you go back and check your work and then you find this one thing that you did wrong and now you know because you're you're doing it again you're looking it over and then you can correct it and make it better for you know before you submit it it's this you can't change the outcome but you can kind of see what you know how things kind of got to a point because like one thing that happens a lot especially early on when somebody's trying to get better is that they will look at the card that beat them, the card that somebody played on the turn that they died, like Denathrius, right? And say, well, that card is stupid. And if it wasn't for that card, I would have won. It turns out you made a mistake on like turn two or three that you'd forgotten about 10 turns later. And if you'd done something differently then you might have been able to get end the game before they even were able to play Denathrius. So this is something that happened. Um, we review them in the Coinkency Discord occasionally. And there was someone who was per posting a Cursed Imp Warlock uh, replay. And they're like, I, I forget what card it was. Maybe it was Spreading Plague or it was something like, oh, this card is stupid and, you know, I hate it. And it's, and it's like, well, okay, let's take a look. Okay, well, you know... Yeah, you lost to this card, but you also played a touch of the Nathrazim after you played your Abyssal Wave. And if you hadn't done that, then you would have been able to play the Dark Vein that you drew the next turn and been able to kill off one of the one of the two ones. You would have had Abyssal Wave in the Dark Vein instead of the touch of the Nathrazim, and that would have given you enough curse damage to be able to end the game before they were able to play the card that they played. So like yeah, you lost because you ran out of damage, but had you made this play slightly differently, then you would have had enough damage to get there and you would have won the game. And that's something that 
it's very hard to see in the moment because you're just kind of going with the decision tree that you're walking down. And you kind of have to, right? Like, there's no way you can, you can't go back. So you kind of need to go with the decisions that you made up to that point. But there are some times that there are decisions that you can make slightly differently, knowing how it ended. And then you can, that's how you improve is by, you know, reviewing, reviewing your past results. I mean, sports teams do this all the time, right? Like sports teams have tape, they have tape review, they're, they're reviewing their play, they're reviewing, you know, their opponents sometimes for, for scouting, but they're also reviewing like tape of their practices or their games to see what they were doing wrong so to see what they can improve it's it's the same thing you're you're if you're playing this game competitively you need to treat it like a competitor but how do you how do you spot these mistakes that you made early so i i understand in this case you just said hey i i, I played the touch the nathrazine before that and maybe that was easy to find because now that i can look oh it back. wasn't oh fair it enough. wasn't hat missed it i had to, I, hat missed it too so i it was it was actually kind of tough to find and that that is that is a problem right because like it, it assumes a, a level of game knowledge that, you know, like someone like me or like had, or, you know, that when we've been doing this a long time, we do this in our THL team too. Like we're on the same THL team and we, we will do this on each, on each other's replays or some other members of the team that will go through turn by turn and say, okay, this is what happened. This is what happened. Um, I think for starters, what you're looking for is like turns that you're not sure what to do. Right. And like, I think that's really a great place to get started. It's like whenever you're cause, and that happens all the time it happens to me now. Right. Like I'll be on stream. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm playing cards here, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to try this and see what happens. Right. Um, it happened a lot when Sadisu was giving me all kinds of weird hunter decks to play last night. Um, but you know, like, and, and it's natural, right? Like you're not like no one, like, unless you're playing this game professionally, you're not going to be an expert in every deck. But there are going to be turns where you're not sure what the play is and you have two, two you have two plays and you're not sure which one of them is right. Screenshot that, right? Screenshot that turn and then at the at the end of the game go back to that turn and look at the decision you made and see how things turned out from there. That's a great place to start, right? Uh, you know, even looking for little things like did you tap last, right? Did you draw first? Like the kind of the, the, the standard, like, you know, making random effects, you know, of happen first so that you have as much information, like look for those things. Like, are you getting the fundamentals right? And if you like to talk more about fundamentals, listen to last week's episode where we had dragon riders specifically talking about those same things. Yeah. Uh, but no, so what you're saying, so, that, so decision points are what you're looking for, right? But what about if you look at your replay and you don't, you're not necessarily looking at a decision point, but first three turns, you look at it and say, well, this is what I played, this is what I played, this is what I played, and that makes sense to you. And you say, well, I don't see a mistake there. How do you find, like, well, I'm playing this wrong versus I made a poor choice or something? Like, is that something that you can get out of these things? Or, Well, I'm going to add one more to you that makes it even more complicated. Okay. Was this game winnable at all? Right? Because that happens a lot, too. Like, there are times that you'll go into a game and it's like, and that's a lot of times, like, in THL, like, I'll post it, especially if I'm playing an aggro deck, which I try not to do, and especially in Conquest, like, holy crap. Like, what I actually care about the result, I'm definitely not trying not to play aggro, but, you know, sometimes I do, and I'll just post it, and like, could I have, could I have done anything here, right? Because, like, you, you look at it and it's like, I don't think I could have done anything to make this game turn around. Right. And that's when you need another person to kind of look at it. Who's, who's got more experience than you in that regard and say like, 
well, no, you could have done this, this, and this, then you could have, you know, or the, and then this could have happened there or whatever, right? But, like, there are some games that's like, no, you just, I did would have done everything you did, and you just couldn't win that game, right? So, like, understand, just being able to sort the, the games where your decisions, I don't want to say decisions mattered versus didn't matter, because the decisions always matter, but sometimes the, you know, it, you have to make sure you're not being results-oriented about it, because there are even... Like, regardless of the result, there are always things you can learn from a game. And there and sometimes there are there are wins that you can learn a lot from because you won despite misplays. And there are losses that maybe you could have done things better, maybe you couldn't have, but it wouldn't have changed the result. Um, so like that's that's one of the things. I think but I think the answer is generally getting somebody else to look at it. Most Discords, I mean certainly the Coin Concede Discord does this. I'm sure yours does it too we'll have a channel for posting replays and saying like, what did I do wrong? Now it helps to have gone through this first, right? And either saying, I don't know what I did and I think I did everything right. Or like, I'm not sure about this play I made here, but I'm not sure what I could have done that was better, right? Because like whenever you're asking for help, it helps to go in and with a sense of like, I I want, I'm not sure, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this, but I don't know what to look for which is fair. Um, there are times when we will get somebody who's just like angry at the world and post the replay and like, I couldn't have done anything here. It's like, oh no, yeah, you could have. <laughs> you super could have. And, here, and here's what it is. But um, but getting somebody else to look at it will will help a lot just because you get like a, ne a neutral perspective on it, right? Like you're always going to have emotion wrapped up in these things at least a little bit, especially if you're tilted. And there are going to be times when reviewing a replay is not going to be productive if you're doing it yourself and getting somebody else to look at it will you'll you'll get to hear what they would have done differently whether or not it's correct or not um you at least get a different perspective on other things that you could think about when you're in that same situation going forward and i think one thing that also people need to remember when asking for help reviewing replays is not to argue in favor of the plays that you made in a way, because sometimes you'd be like, well, what did I do wrong? And, and someone will say, well, you probably could have done this, that, and the other. It's like, no, no, I did this because of this, that, and that. It's like, yeah, but you lost. And someone else is giving you an opinion on yeah. what you could have done better. So I think that's um, um, something that people need to also kind of get out of because you're not defending the reason why you lost. You're, def you're trying to figure out how to get better. And, and actually, well, oh, go ahead, Steve. Yeah. Sorry. I, I think that it is important to think about the reasons that you made the play that you made, right? Because that might be a change in you know in approach where you're approaching the matchup wrong right so i think that introspecting on i made this play because i was worried about this and whether or not it's the right or right or wrong and is is good i think it's good to understand that but i think it's also a matter of taking that from a a context perspective and not an argumentative perspective right like if you're you know, and, and that just basically means trusting that the person who's reviewing it knows better than you do, which it, it depends on who's doing it, right? Like if, if it's, you know, someone who, you know, was a good player, who's looking at your, at your replays and they're telling you something like, you should probably take that advice. If it's somebody else who's just like random in the discord, like you may have to, you know, I've seen people send other people astray too, you know, when you're reviewing replays, cause like it, there's no one right answer. Um, So like sometimes that's healthy to have, a discussion about that and add context for why you were making the plays that you were. But I think that needs to be from like a context perspective, not like 
you know, if you're not going to, if you're not going to listen to the advice that's being given, why are you asking? Is kind of what you're saying, which is also fair. Aside from something like that, uh, what are other common mistakes you think people make when they're reviewing their replays? Um, I think they're probably doing it like, I, I, I don't want to say doing it too close. Cause I think there's like, part of it is that it needs to be fresh in your mind, but also it's like, you've got emotion wrapped up in it when you're doing it right away. Um, I, one of the things I used to say is like after, after every loss, go review your replay, go review the replay. And I, I, that can be useful sometimes. I think that stopping at the end and saying like, what could I have done differently is a valuable thing for a few reasons. One is just like, it cools you down before the next game. Um, and also it kind of gets you in the mindset of not like blaming RNG for your losses, which is really the road that you can go down. If you're not, if you're not looking at these things more objectively. You said, um, oh, I'm, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you said a little earlier too, that you should also review the uh, play. Sometimes review the games that you win. Uh, would you say yeah. that's more for finding mistakes that you've made, or is that more for reinforcing the, the good things that you did or a little of both? I think it's, yeah, reinforcing the good things, but also, like, you know, there are always things you can improve, right? Like, there are always, like, if I go through any of my replays, even from a win, like, there are definitely some games where I've misplayed horribly and still pulled it out. And and it's, it's, there, there's a, there's a time, you know, there's a time element here too, right? Like, generally people are going to review the losses because those are the ones that they know that the result didn't turn out. Um, I think it's good to review... A, a number of them and see like you know if there were things that you could have done to make it like if, if you won was there a way you could have won that game two turns faster right like there are always things that you can optimize um but again people's time is limited if you're gonna have to sort them start start with the losses obviously because those didn't turn out the way that you wanted um i i think that and i think the other thing that people do is don't start from the beginning of the game like there are like you're, you you it's very easy to look like the last couple through two three turns of the game and expect that everything that was important happened there and the number of times that i see replays that start spiraling out of control on turn two out of like a 15 turn game is fairly often right like a lot like I mean, especially when i'm looking at control replays like a lot of the mistakes that i will see is using the wrong removal right so there's a turn where, so one of the things that happens a lot in control is you'll have like two different ways that you could clear a board. And generally the rule is that what you want, you want to use the one that's going to lose more value, lose, lose value more quickly over the rest of the game, right? So if you have like a board that both a condemn and a whirlpool will clear, you want to use the condemn because the whirlpool can clear anything. The condemn can, is going gonna, is gonna to struggle with anything but this board that's in front of you. So you should use the condemn. And a lot of times what I'll see is either people using the wrong removal or people using removal when they could have just like chilled for a turn um, and then let the opponent build up more of a board to get more value out of the removal. And that's the kind of thing that you're not going to see happen until like several turns later when there's a board that you couldn't remove and you, you used up that removal already. Right. So if you're just looking at the last couple couple turns, well, of course you couldn't remove it. You didn't have it in your hand. Well, yeah, because you used it six turns ago when you shouldn't have, and now it's not there. But that's the piece of the puzzle that's missing, right? So you kind of you do have to go back from the beginning and kind of look at everything and, and question everything, even if it makes 
sense of the time, but you're looking at it knowing what you know. You know that you lost that board you couldn't clear, right? Why couldn't I clear that board? Oh, because that because that removal got used here when it shouldn't have. But if you're just starting from, you know, the last couple turns, you're not going to get there. And you can't go too far back. Once once you say, oh, if I would have done this differently, you, you can kind of picture the next couple turns, but then board states would change and all that. So you, you, you can't really yeah. play out the rest of the game, but... Um, and you say start starting people start too late, and you say start turn two, turn three. But um, I mean, I've seen people review replays as early as today that go all the way back to the mulligan that people were mulligan. Yeah, Doc. Every but, time, um, every time I review a replay, I go back to the mulligan. And I mean, there have been some, like Quest Hunters, a really good example, where they where you get to the end of the game and you just haven't been able to get there, right? And then what I'll do with those replays is we just start counting up missed damage, which is something that is, it's hard to see in the moment, right? But it, it cause it's, it, it adds up over the course of the game. Like a game, like a deck like quest hunter, you need to have enough damage to go face. So like there have been some, some replays I've looked, well, okay, you just use this spell to clear this one, two that you could have sent face. So that's three damage. Okay. Now you cleared this minion instead of sending this face so that's another four damage so and so and so you you lost you you they they ended the game at eight you had 12 missed damage over the course of the game that's where you lost but it's the kind of thing where it's not even one turn it's just like a snowball effect of just like all these little little things over the course of the game and you'll again that's really hard to see by yourself if you're just starting to learn out like you're starting to learn but i think it's it's good to at least like Look at the ones where there are obvious mistakes and the ones that aren't obvious, then you ask somebody else to look at them for you. Fair enough. Um, any final thoughts on people, uh, how to evaluate your replays to get better? I think just, like, even if you're not great at it, just, like, going in from the mindset, going in with a learning mindset, an improvement mindset, will help you get there. Like, I see a lot of people, like... F stumble on this in goal setting right my goal is i want to get to diamond five my goal is i want to get to legend well no your goal is to get better at the game right like ultimately those are milestones those aren't goals and that's when people kind of get tripped up is like oh i want to get to diamond five and i can't get there well it's it that's not what you need to do what you need to do is be looking at a part of the game where you want to get better right because like once you're not focused on the number in the corner and you're focused on the plays that you're making and making the best plays, regardless of what the number in the corner says, then the ranks will come, right? I've never gotten to a rank that I've wanted to get at when I've been worried about where I am and where it is. I've always gotten there when I just kind of decided that I wanted to play my best Hearthstone or learn or focus on learning a deck or focus on, on trying to do this one thing better. And then as I did that, um, you know, just like my play got better and the, and the ranks came. There's Jared Tendler's um, mental, uh, mental game of poker is an amazing book to read that before I was on the show, we had them on coin conceit as a guest. This was long before I was a host. Um, but that's still a, a good episode. That's worth going back to. But one of the things that he, he has a lot of good things in that, in that book, but one of them is like the inchworm concept of improvement where, like if you think about how an inchworm kind of walks, like it it flings its its head forward, and then it kind of drags its butt up behind it, right? So like, 
you're going to start to learn to do something better, but then you're, you know, you're still going to make mistakes as long as you're, you know, you're still learning it. And then the process of learning is reinforcing it until the butt comes up to the head. And then you're kind of doing that naturally. And then you can kind of learn the next thing. And that's so just like, that's yeah. not easy. It's not, it's hard. It took me a long time. And I mean, it was even after I'd hit legend a few times, I still was struggling. I had to, and I ended up going through this. I had a, um, a friend of mine who was playing at the time he was, uh, an HTT finalist, uh, Peltire. He's, he's retired from Hearthstone since, but, and he was very nice to call it a co-op. It was a coaching session, but he was very nice to call it a co-op. And we were going through, this was in the doom and the tomb days, like evolve shaman. And I was just playing like turn to turn. And then he was watching me play. He's like, well, what's your plan? <laughs> you know, like, it's it just like a simple a simple question like that. What are you trying to do over the next couple turns? And I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just like playing for the turn, right? And even just like something like that, like having somebody watch you and like see what you're doing wrong can kind of just, or, or even just like looking over replay and kind of identify like something you don't realize you're doing can kind of just unlock things for you. But you need to go into it with an open mind and go into it with like a learning mindset. Um, and as you learn, you will get better and it will take a while, but the ranks will follow. I, I've been in that same spot too. Like right now, I know I'm not in that place where I am. I am frustrated that I am getting up to D3, falling back to D5. And yep. and I know I am probably best when I sit there and I say, okay, what's my what's my win condition here? How am I, how am I winning this? How, how are they winning this? How do I stop them from doing this? How do I execute my game plan? And it is so easy to forget that those things are what you're doing. And yep. um, yeah. Well, I know I know we we've kept you here a little late, and I know I'm get I'm getting kind of full, but I, I think I still have some room for dessert. What do you think, Doc? Wicked Good, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Well, as long as Twitter is still working, you can find me at, at Twitter, at, um, at Wicked Good on Twitter. Um, Coin Conceit is at coinconceit.com. Um, off Curve is at offcurve.com. And um, I stream on Twitch Monday and Friday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern. And that is at uh, twitch.tv slash wickedgoodfm. So all those places um you know it, you, you can also find coin conceit by looking at whatever app you're using to listen to this and just go search search for coin conceit and you will probably find it you can find me on twitter and twitch at tito santana hs you can also email the pod at bread and butter hs at gmail.com how about yourself doc uh yeah you can find me twitter twitch and youtube at doc mcbutt uh what's good is there anyone you'd like to shout out today um i guess i'll just shout out hat and Edel for being good co-hosts and and both of you for having me on um this was fun i'm glad i'm glad we got to do this thank you i'm glad to uh tito how about yourself well obviously wicked um i've actually when i reached out to wicked i said uh wicked we have three different topics we want to talk to you about we want to talk to you about replays we want to talk to you about prepping for uh tournaments which we'll do hopefully when we actually know 
what tournaments look like in a couple months and also priests when we start talking about individual classes so wicked thank you so much for for being here i also want to give a shout out to um, i'm now part of hype horizon i don't think i've been able to mention that yet oh, congratulations yeah thank you awesome, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the theater team which is hype rising but it's been very exciting it's been a very new experience it, 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 it's been fun and one of my new teammates who actually just hit affiliate um the great spectacular is getting married today so i wanted to give a shout out to him and congratulations and um lots of good things how about yourself doc anybody you like to shout out today uh yeah wicked good um for being on the show like i said earlier you're kind of one of, to me at least one of the pillars of the community as like a whole um and it's very kind of you to oh, say of course like gotta give credit where credit's due it's just it's just so cool to see someone who i hold in such like high esteem to be willing to come to our little rinky dink show uh and have fun with us so thank you so much yeah, absolutely well, i think that's the end of the show doc i guess we're toast slide two brothers meet one another when they slide up to the mic it's bread and butter with one another. Let's start up that recording light.